Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the 21 and Sensory podcast. On today's episode, I have special guest Jake Steiner. Jake established endmyopa.org as a resource to offer people the opportunity to explore the science behind our eyesight. So Jake advocates for an evidence-based sort of approach to understanding myopia, which is a word that means nearsightedness, if anyone doesn't know. And he explores methods to potentially like reverse it. And he has his own experience reversing his minus five diopter myopia. Um, he has also helped over 1.2 million people reduce their dependence on corrective lenses through his website, his popular YouTube channel, his Twitter and his Facebook group. So he's got lots going on. <laughs> um, Jake also stresses that he's not a medical doctor or an optometrist and he's just kind of set out to solve this problem with his eyesight. So yeah, I'm super interested to have a chat with Jake as I actually wear glasses 24-7. So Jake, do you want to say Hi. Jake wants to say hi, I'm referring to myself in the third person. That is a great intro. Thank you. No worries. It's really nice to have you on. So I think let's start from the beginning. What What is myopo? How would you describe it? And how did you sort of come across it yourself? Sure. So myopia is nearsightedness, um, a situation where you can't see clearly far away without glasses. So... Anybody who needs to wear glasses to see clearly at a distance, nearsightedness, depending on where you live, it's called short-sightedness. Myopia is the um, clinical term, I suppose. And uh, end myopia, I called it that without realizing many years ago that nobody knows what myopia is. So, <laughs> yeah. And a word that you kind of never really come across, but as soon as you say like nearsightedness, everyone's like, oh, okay, yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, it would have been wiser to name it something related. <laughs> That's all right though. Once you know, you know. <laughs> So yeah, what is your kind of journey with it? Because I've kind of, as I said before, like I've kind of gone over your like website and stuff and I saw that you had like a minus five like prescription and that now you have like 2020 vision, which I'm very intrigued about. <laughs> yeah. So I started, this is going on 20 years now that mm -hmm. I started playing with this and I just had bad eyesight. Um, it started in my early teens as it did for a lot of people that are in my age range, now things start usually a little bit younger. Um, and I started wearing glasses. I didn't really question it. And they got stronger and stronger and stronger. And eventually I found myself at a point where my eyesight was still getting worse. And I don't know why. I went to an optometrist and I finally asked the question, why is this happening? And they said it's genetic. And my background, I started out as an analyst and, and a stock trader and doing a lot of things that require research. Mm -hmm. And genetic isn't a likely answer really for short-sightedness because it didn't exist or hardly existed 50 years ago. If you go 100 years back, there's no record of most anybody being short-sighted. So it can't be, there's no sudden worldwide genetic mutation of such a specific nature. So I'm like, it can't be genetic. And I started doing research. This was kind of before the internet was cool like it is today. So I spent a bunch of time in libraries. I found that the answer is shockingly simple, uh, what actually causes nearsightedness. And then I made a bunch of assumptions in trying to reverse it and eventually succeeded. And then eventually more and more people got interested and it turned into a bit of a, a thing. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. It's it's interesting to hear that like you also like started wearing glasses in your teens and that you didn't question it. I'm exactly the same. Like when you're told you need glasses, you're like, well, that's it. I need glasses. Like you don't, I don't know, you don't question it and you think 
you know, that that's the best for you. But actually it's really interesting to see like from your website, all these little things that you can do that can even just by like a few little kind of percentages can change your eyesight. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And I think we have this trust in institutional authority. That's kind of maybe human nature. I'm not sure. Mm. But when it says, when somebody's title says doctor and they call you up glasses, prescriptions, you just don't really question it. Like it's, mm-hmm. I think, normal. So did you find that you used to, like, because I think you said on your website that you were kind of in finance and trading and investing, like, were you spending like a lot of time on screens and stuff? Was that like part of your like every day? Ridiculous amounts. Okay. Just crazy. Yeah, it was, it was not, it's not great for your eyesight to spend that much time in front of screens. And I didn't know anything about wearing your glasses that are meant for distance vision while you're looking at something that's inches from your face is extra terrible for your eyesight. Um, If somebody told you that, like the first time you got glasses, always take them off when you don't need them, your eyes wouldn't really get worse. Like the biggest contributor to that, your so-called prescriptions getting higher and higher is wearing those things during close-up screen time and when you don't need them. See, that's mad because like for me, for example, I wear glasses all the time and my prescription isn't like that much. I think it's like minus two, minus 2.5 or something. And I wear them all the time. And like you said, like you don't really realize that actually I don't, I obviously need them for things further away, but like close up on laptops and because I'm a designer, I'm always like on screens. Like I probably don't need this prescription up close because I can see things up close. So it definitely like makes you like question why you just kind of wear glasses and don't really take them off that much when actually, like you're saying, you could actually be helping your own eyesight a bit. Yeah. And you're lucky that you haven't gone minus past two. A lot of people, as they're doing this, continue to progress. Like I ended up at minus five. Mm. Um, a lot of Asian populations have a, a genetic marker that causes their eye to elongate more easily, apparently or so suggests the current science and they get to like minus nine, 10, 11, like high, high amounts. And it's all that. And if you were to take your glasses off when you don't need them, if you start a habit to always take them off when you use screens and try to stay as far back as you can and still see clearly after a month or so, if you start putting on your glasses in front of the screen, you'll feel uncomfortable. That's crazy. Like just the amount that your eyes can adapt to that situation and get used to it and and that's exactly what happens you just you just adopt to this strain that is a pretty noticeable strain and a lot of people can't go back to wearing glasses for close-up because it just feels strenuous and makes you dizzy and uncomfortable because it is a massive amount of focal plane change that you don't want or need Mm -hmm. and i read on your website about the active focus as well is that something you want to like describe a bit because that to me was quite interesting how I think you were I think I heard you say it might be on your YouTube actually how like when sort of reading or something like that if you blink you can kind of focus better was that what is that right yeah so what happens is your eyes refocus every time you blink Mm -hmm. so it's just a moment right like that moment of black and you open your eyes again eyes looking for focus again and you can actually see better than you think Mm. when you try to And for people who never worn glasses, like they have this built in ability to, I call it active focus, like actively trying to see a thing. Like you walk into a Starbucks and it's moody, dark lighting and the menu behind the barista is kind of far away. And you've Mm -hmm. spent a bunch of time in front of screens. 
and your eyes are not perfect, you will notice people who've never worn glasses to just blink at it and it clears up. It's like a, it's a thing that everybody has that you kind of lose if you always wear glasses that overcorrect your vision to always be perfect. Okay. And when you step back from that, like for example, if you don't wear your glasses for your work, you can sit in front of your screen, you can figure out how far can I see clearly and then move back a centimeter or two or three or five. And then as things get a little bit blurry, blink at it. And it, it doesn't necessarily happen immediately or the first time, but eventually you figure out, okay, there's a little bit of latitude. Mm -hmm. And that little bit of latitude, if you turn it into a habit, becomes the main stimulus that improves your eyesight gradually. Like it's not an immediate thing, but mm -hmm. over a course of months, um, you can reduce the amount of doctors you need to see pretty, pretty effectively. Mm. And yeah, like you say, it's not an immediate thing, but even just being able to see a difference over time, like that, that's quite interesting. And how, how long did it take for you to kind of get from your prescription of minus five all the way to like 2020? Is that like quite a lot of hard work you've put in, obviously? It was forever. It took forever because I didn't know what I was doing. I was basing it on, on first I was reading every book I could find, every method. I was assuming that something must be out there. When I figured out what causes nearsightedness, which is not an illness, it's not a medical condition, it's not genetic, mm -hmm. it's an adjustment of the eye. We can talk about that if you like. But once I figured out how it works, which is really well explained in clinical science, I figured I can affect that mechanism because it's designed the eyeball is designed to give you good eyesight and the lenses that you wear literally cause the eyesight to readjust to the lens, making you dependent on the lens. Mm. So my, my assumption was you can wean off of the lens the same way that you got put on the lens. You started out with less doctors and then slowly they went up, you know, every time you go to the optometrist to make a small increase. Yeah. For most people. So my assumption was I can do the same thing in reverse and the assumption turned out to be true but the devil being in the details, there's a lot more to how to do it effectively that I didn't know at the time. So it just took, it took a long time, but mm -hmm. for some reason I was just uh, a little fixated on this. And now you don't need the minus two, you know mm -hmm. I mean? It would take you like two years. It would take you like a month of figuring out better habits and making friends with your eyes. And then about two years and you won't need those things. Dude, that's mad to me because like, I'd love that because I'm obviously very dependent on them at the moment and like things like sports and stuff like that. It's just, it's such a hassle to <laughs> have to wear glasses and worry about them getting knocked and stuff like that. And to, I don't know, almost, it sounds bad, but to be like free of glasses would, you know, it kind of gives you more options. And I think I'm definitely going to try what you're saying is just start small. You know, you're not saying you know, it's a really big thing to integrate as part of your life. Just even, you know, not wearing your glasses when you're a few centimeters away from screens and things like that. I think it's definitely doable. Super and, doable. And yeah. speaking of sports, it's, I don't like the word life changing because it just is a, there's too much hype, but lots of things happen when you wear glasses. And like before I wore glasses, I used to be on a rowing team. I played water polo. I, I love to be active. Mm. And as I became more dependent on the glasses, things like like a ball flying through the air in my direction scared me because I couldn't see it well enough. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have with, with glasses, I didn't have any peripheral vision, right? Like, because you can see out of the center of the lens perfectly. And then as you move towards the periphery of the lens, the image is distorted and then past the frame, 
there's nothing. So mm. your visual cortex for one goes, what is going on? Peripheral vision is not working. So there's a low state of anxiety potentially always happening. And also then if you're involved with sports, there's a certain amount of fear that happens because things are the emotion that come from the periphery aren't obvious. So you need contact lenses that can kind of help. Mm -hmm. But especially if you're wearing glasses, it affects social behavior because your your neck and eye movement is different from what we perceive as natural. Like yeah. you're stuck behind these lenses. So you the way your body language is, is subtly different. So that's and that causes people's body language that are interacting with you to be subtly different, like affecting how you interact with people. It changes how you walk because you have to look at the ground to see because your peripheral vision doesn't work great. So mm. people don't realize how much glasses really kind of affect and narrow your experience of your surroundings because you can really only see well out of the center of those things. Exactly. And I remember when I first started wearing my glasses, I didn't realize to see I'd have to move my head rather than move my eyes. Because like you say, you can only really see through the very like center. So you end up moving your head so much more and actually your eyes are pretty kind of almost static. <laughs> Just like, like a little, like a little robot. Yeah, exactly. I think like it's interesting to see like all the different kind of feedback and stuff that you get like on your website. And I know you have like a podcast as well, where people come on and like talk about their journey and stuff and it, even people with much higher prescriptions even just coming down even a little bit it's it's amazing to think that actually you can have an effect on your eyesight it isn't you know necessarily genetic like you were saying but um i also like appreciate that you mentioned that you know your eyes aren't ill or like broken in any way and it's not you know to treat or to cure it it's to kind of just change the state of your eyes. For one, I think it's extremely empowering to have that experience of you reduce a diopter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or if you go from a minus two to a minus 1.5, mm -hmm. it will change your relationship to yourself because you go, huh, I can change this. You know, I'm not a patient, right? These things aren't prescriptions. The only reason they're called prescriptions is because there's been millions of dollars of lobbying going on by the lens manufacturing industry. They're clear curve pieces of plastic, right? If you need reading glasses, it's the same thing, opposite mm -hmm. direction. You can buy those over the counter. It's just because they cost two to five dollars, euros, pounds, whatever, to, to the optometrist who then sells them to you for thousands of percent markup. And to maintain a profit margin, they had to make sure that not anybody can sell those lenses that would drive the price down. So they created this whole racket of prescriptions. So mm -hmm. you don't question it, right? You have to go to these people and you don't question why a $2 clear piece of plastic would be hundreds of dollars or pounds or euros. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's the thing, like, that I can't get around is that, you know, every time your prescription changes even a little bit, they're like, you need new glasses. And it's like, well, that's like 200 pounds. <laughs> like it's an expensive thing to commit to. <laughs> and it's really not. I have the wholesale price sheets for every lens manufacturer from optometrist friends. Mm -hmm. And they're literally single digit amounts wow. for anything, just about anything. Like the special coatings and this and that doesn't matter. Most lenses... I, single digit amounts and the markups are just, it's all profit. Mm. If it's anything like medical related, you just kind of don't question it and just accept it. Like you're saying, there's such a big markup and it is, it's, you know, it's a business at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's all and about you know, money. 
I feel terrible because I am fairly not into the fringes and and anti-mainstream and conspiracy, which this isn't, but it still sounds, the first time you hear about it, you're like, oh, that's crazy talk, mm-hmm. right? Like, why have I never heard of this before? And it makes me feel a little bit, I don't know, sometimes amused, sometimes annoyed that I sound like one of those quote unquote people that say they're all wrong. They're just trying to make money. And it's, it's kind of supply and demand. People are happy. There's a quick fix. There's no personal accountability. There's no, this is kind of your fault problem or thing that you can solve. You're too addicted to screens. You need to go play more. Mm. Instead, you're just getting these glasses. You're told it's not your fault. You pay the money, you're fine. So mm, a lot of people who hear about this really are like, I don't want to know, you know? So it's kind of a supply and demand thing, but at the same time, also, absolutely. It is a business. And especially in the first 10 years of doing this, I got a lot of pushback. I got a lot of bullying from that industry, trying to get me to shut up, trying to get me to not talk, even though the majority of what I'm doing is quoting clinical science from optometry journals. It's literally there, you know, clinical journals that describe the things that, that I post on the website that say, Hey, this causes it. And it's not an illness. Like it's just, a your eyes adjusting to your environment, you know? Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. Like you're very like open and upfront and very much like, I'm not a medical professional, but you know, you've clearly done your research. You, you've clearly, you know, experienced this yourself and been able to make it work for you. And I think it, it's quite interesting just the fact that you were kind of fixated on this topic and you really did a deep dive into it as someone without, you know, that kind of optometrist kind of knowledge, but just that you yourself managed to improve your own eyesight is, is really like an interesting thing. And I think a lot of why people probably kind of stumble across your YouTube and stuff like that. Like once I started on one of your videos, I was like, oh, like you just like become invested. <laughs> and I was like onto another one and onto another one. Like it's, it's really interesting just being able to like potentially manage your own health and manage your own eyesight, I think. So yeah, I think, yeah. I think it's a good resource. <laughs> it's an amazing thing is so because of this, I've ended up on lots of health podcasts mm. and I've never been that much into these things, but like I found out you can reverse heart disease and it, there's just shocking amounts of stuff out there where you go, this cannot be true. Mm. But literally there is machines that you can, you can go to the, to, the, to the hospital that scan your heart for arterial calcification. I, I, never, I never had any idea this, that this even existed that mm. can predict heart disease extremely accurately. And then this, this guy, Ivor Cummins, has an amazing podcast. He discusses this and... He has lots of people on that reversed their calcification and their risk of heart disease, stuff you never hear about. So Mm -hmm. ever since doing this eye thing, I think it's really cool because once you go, okay, so this works, you learn how to distinguish internet unicorn farming, you know, Mm. X, Y, and Z will cure anything from actually being able to fix things that we're not told are fixable because there's no profit incentive to tell us. So it's super fun whether you start with eyesight or whether you start with anything else to go, what of these things can be untangled to what degree and maybe make my life more interesting. Mm. Yeah. Just that concept of reversing a, a health condition is is wild because 
like you say, it's not something you ever hear about, you know, from eyesight all the way up to like your heart, you do have control over these organs. <laughs> it's so amazing. I literally, when I found out about this, cause I was on Ivor's podcast, I'm like, this cannot be, my parents are both medical doctors and I've never heard of this. I get annual serious, all kinds of checkups cause I'm a big nerd and I'm getting older and I've never heard of this. And I went to a fancy hospital and asked about this scanning thing. And they're like, yep, we have one. Um, it costs millions of dollars. And I'm like, oh, I will have my heart scanned. And it makes a 3D, like it's a, it's a, it rotates around your body and it 3D images your heart. It's wow. freaking cool. <laughs> I'm like, how does, how do we never hear about this? And yeah. literally like, it'll show the arteries in your heart. And if they're get, being calcified, but predictive, wow. you know what I mean? And everybody always just says, oh, eat healthy and who knows? And maybe you will, maybe you won't, but hey, you can actually show these things. And I've found since then so many topics from like, who knew, you know, like some things are unicorn farming, you know, mm. wishful thinking ideas, but there's tons of stuff out there where, you know, health is kind of related to how you use your body and how you interact with your environment. And lots of things are not permanent necessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so when, when did you start your website? Was it kind of, were you du like during the process of you trying to kind of reverse your eyesight or was it sort of after when you'd kind of realized it was doable? Like what way round did you sort of start things? <laughs> oh God, it was an ongoing, it used to be a rant blog. Nice. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, because, because mostly I, I started reading just medical journals in, in libraries and mm -hmm. they explained that short nearsightedness starts out as a muscle spasm. It's a, you have a, something called a ciliary muscle in your eye that focuses the lens in your eye. And that muscle gets stuck from too much close up. Like whenever you're looking at things up close, that muscle is extremely tight to focus the lens at something to give you good close up vision. And if you do that for hours and hours every day, that muscle gets stuck. It's a muscle spasm called pseudomyopia or near induced transient myopia. And that becomes lens-induced myopia once you start wearing lenses because the eyeball elongates in response to the focal plane change of the lens. I mean, mm -hmm. boring, but you can go to scholar.google.com, look all this up. Like it's it's definitive. Just to be like, what's up with this? And they would just, they would kick me out of their office. Not everybody, but literally the, the reaction was so negative that I started just ranting. And if you look at the early parts of the website, it's definitely... Uh, uh, apparent <laughs> mostly it was just me having fun with trolling the the establishment and for a while i tried to get rid of it and let other more serious people deal with it who then couldn't deal with the uh backlash from the mainstream and it slowly just continued it's like i have coffee in the morning spend an hour doing that and then i do real work mm -hmm. and i just never stopped doing it and by now it's become this strangely just spreading thing. Yeah. Fun. I mean, it, it seems like you have like the Facebook group and like the discord and stuff like that. And there's like this constant like discussion and like, you know, comparison between like how people are doing, like in terms of progress and stuff like that, which I think is great. Like you want, you know, whenever you start something like, you know, even something like, I don't know, like weight loss or something like that, you want to see people at the point that you want to get to kind of thing. And I think that's what's great about like the fact that you have this kind of open Facebook group and stuff where you can actually see people are actually benefiting and it's not just you 
like all the time saying, you know, it really worked for me. Like you can actually see it's, it's working for like a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that was kind of part of, I don't know when that started. Um, just it was another, you know, one random coffee day. I was like, maybe we'll have a Facebook group, mm. but now it's like 20 some odd thousand members. Like it's crazy really, wow. but super helpful because in the beginning I was just a rambling lunatic, you know, and over the years, like it turned from, I was being totally ignored to then people would make fun of me to then there was a fair amount of anger for a while from the just establishment. I get angry emails from Tomatrice and stuff to now where, because so many people share stories for just so many years, it's, even though it's heavily debated, obviously, because mm -hmm. it's, you know, fringy new ideas. There are so many people that it's impossible to dispute that something's going on, mm -hmm. which is fun. <laughs> that's the thing though like obviously like the online world and like trolling and that sort of thing but i mean yeah. i i don't feel like you know you're like preaching about it and you're saying like you know this is the way forward and stuff you know you're just you're kind of supplying it as a method that people can try and i think that's like the best way to go about it and i don't really understand why people would be reaching out to you to kind of have a go at you because you know, you're not, you're not kind of pushing your beliefs on people or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I understand it because for example, my dad, medical doctor really believes in statin drugs to control cholesterol for heart disease. Mm -hmm. And there are studies now showing that that's not really necessarily a good idea, mm -hmm. but he won't look at any studies. But I'm like, can you just take a peek at this? He refuses to. Mm -hmm. And then I talked to a friend of mine who's a psychologist who explained something as this it was a complicated story about beliefs, pillars of beliefs. So people had the realities made up of things that they believe to be true. Right. And the more central it is to what you do, like if you're an optometrist and you tell people every day, this is genetic, mm -hmm. you believe it. It's part of your core reality. When somebody tries to upset that it's like a defense mechanism of the brain to go, no, this guy's wrong. Mm -hmm. And they attack you because they're trying to protect the, their perception of reality as they see it. So mm. I've become a lot more respectful over the last few years of that. Um, before I was just counterattacking and, and, you know, being equally aggressive. Whereas now I'm like, I respect that, mm. that for you, this is more of a religion almost than just let's debate the science, you know? But mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the thing. And I'm trying to be a little bit more respectful of the fact that it's a state of mind and an emotional place for some people. And I try to not necessarily push them more than they're willing to take a look at things. Like you say, if people are saying day in, day out, like professionals are saying, you know, it's a genetic thing, then yeah, of course, it's just kind of part of their job, isn't it? Just to, to say that and to keep, you know, sticking to that same story if they don't know any better. So no, that's, that's yeah, and plus people come to them now because this thing has gotten are just curiously popular and question the optometrist, which I always tell people don't do that necessarily, but that will upset them also because to them, and I, I completely respect that, right? Like you got trained, you have a degree, you went to school, you have a practice, you believe this is how it is. And then random people come in because they read a thing on the internet. So yeah. crazy dude on the internet says, you know, you're ripping me off and this is not genetic and what's up. And they'll be upset. I totally understand that. And I'm, I'm borderline apologetic about it at this point, 
because I don't, you know, like I don't want to cause that. I just, my only point is if you'd prefer a life without being stuck behind glasses, here's a way to do it. Right. Mm. Minus the antagonism. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. <laughs> um, so in terms of kind of like measuring, like your myopia at home, I feel, I feel like on your website, you have like a, like a measurement, like tape that people can download. Is that right? Yeah. So nearsightedness, your diopters are just a distance, how far you can see clearly. When you go to the optometrist and they put you in a chair and they do all this complicated stuff, they're only measuring one thing, which is how far can you see it before there's blur? That's all diopters are. So it's like a hundred divided by the centimeters that you can see before there's blur equals the diopters of your glasses. Right. So if you can see 50 centimeters before things get blurry, 100 divided by 50 is two. So you need two diopter glasses to see clearly at any distance. Mm -hmm. Right. So, for example, if you're wearing minus two, you can see about 50 centimeters before there's blur. Yeah. And the reason I love this part is because it takes this complicated sounding abstraction of prescription and doctors and I don't know what all this stuff means and I have to go to the optometrist to measure it to actually all you need is a measuring tape or we have a phone app that sort of works also and see take a book put it in front of your face slowly move it further away till the text starts being a tiny bit blurry or different than it looked closer you measure that distance it's going to be the power of your glasses that you need to see clearly and once you do that, it's kind of strangely empowering that you go, huh, this is all I need because that's all it is, right? Like all the fancy machines do nothing else. And then you can go, if I do the same measurement next to a window, the distance is going to be greater, meaning your myopia is actually less. You need less strong glasses. And if you measure after four hours of Netflix and iPad, your vision is going to be worse. The centimeter is going to be lower. Your doctor is higher. If you eat a pizza and drink a Coke, the centimeter measurements would be lower, your vision's worse. And if you do a bunch of those measurements, you start realizing how much that number fluctuates. And once you do that, you start, it becomes really tempting to affect that number. Like mm -hmm. It's like a game, right? Like now you're at 50, I bet you can get to 60 centimeters just by, you know, changing some of your habits of your screen use and taking better breaks. I bet you can get to 60. And if you manage that, then you're like, if I can get to 60, I can get to 70. Yeah. And that's a huge part, in my opinion, about reversing the whole thing by quantifying your eyesight and then playing the game of slowly getting more distance. Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting that like your eyes fluctuate that much. Like it's, it's almost not something you're like taught or is ever mentioned that actually, you know, that that measurement can change so much depending on, you know, your environment or where you are. Like that's, that's really interesting. Or which optometrist you visit. See, what? what? <laughs> yeah, it's a non-static, it's a non-static number, especially mm -hmm. if your myopia is higher, but the higher it is, the more obviously variable the number gets. But yeah, I used to play that game. I would go to five optometrists in a day and I'd get three or four different numbers. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But then it's wouldn't that... objective. Yeah, but then wouldn't you, you know different you'd potentially get different prescription like glasses from that so 100 percent, you will absolutely get different glasses yeah that's wild 
Oh, it's, it's yeah, definitely interesting to, <laughs> to talk about. Because, okay, so if minus two is borderline, like 50 centimeters, especially if you're doing design work, mm. you're going to move closer to the screen mm. because it's detail work. Like it's harder to stay at a distance, even though it's worth building that habit if you can, mm-hmm. right? And then take a day and don't wear your glasses on a Sunday or just an hour. Start with an hour. Eventually, you know, once a week, try to make it a half day, just an amount of time. And eventually after two or three months of maybe not wearing your glasses for close up, if you can, again, with minus two, it's kind of borderline mm-hmm. and playing a game of, Hey, Sunday, I'm going to start the day with no glasses for a little while. Eventually buy yourself a minus 1.75, just a quarter drop to lower. And one day when you did the Sunday half day, no glasses, when you put your glasses back on, instead of the minus two, put it on the minus 1.75 and I bet you won't notice the difference. Mm-hmm. in that order you know what i mean first you're mm-hmm. working out the close-up strain a little bit then you're getting yourself used to not wearing them all the time all the time accepting a bit of blur playing with how do i deal with without them slowly you have a little bit of a comfort zone i'm not saying throw them away just kind of balance it out yeah and then it's like your visual cortex the part of your brain that interprets visual signals kind of loses that that reference point of the minus two because you haven't worn them for half the day and you've done it many times. And now you put on a slightly lower correction, ideally in good daylight, right? Mm-hmm. You, you won't know the difference. And then you can live with those, right? And now the next three, four, six months, doesn't matter. You're wearing minus 1.75s and you're already no longer in compliance with what the optometrists would tell you. Like that's kind of, I think, the, the process of having fun with this, you know, mm-hmm. because then... Three, four months, six months from then, you can repeat the same thing again and going to a minus 1.5. Mm-hmm. It's See, fun. It, 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 that's the thing. You make it sound fun because it's not, it's not a ridiculous commitment. It is just try <laughs> it. Like, you know, take, it, take your glasses off for a little bit. Like you're not asking, you know, such like a huge commitment or like, you know, to kind of go without your glasses from just, you know, dump them immediately. Like it's, I can understand why people, you know, get to 60 or something and think, oh, actually I could, you know, get to like the next, (laughs) the next number and the next number. Like I could see how it's kind of like gamified almost. If you see a bit of progress, you're like, oh, I'll stick it. (laughs) Yeah. And you don't want to make it strenuous. Like Mm. it's, I, I don't believe in eye exercises. I don't believe in dramatic changes. It's just little wiggles in the right direction. Yeah. Right. Cause you're busy. You have your thing going on. You have stuff. I'm not saying, you know, this is not a religious experience where you have to join the church. It's just a little, yeah. little tweaks, you know, mm-hmm. and the little tweaks add up and then you build them into habit. So it doesn't become a commitment really every day. Mm-hmm. And then six months from now, you'll be like, I don't need this anymore. And then you have another go at it. And then for the next however many months you, you, don't have to think about it a whole lot, but before you know it, two years go by and you're going to be really close to, you're going to wear glasses sometimes, nighttime driving, movie theater, but in general, you won't need those things. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, that sounds great. <laughs> yes. I, I would love that. I mean, just, I don't know. It's, it's just weird to think that as a teenager, like I remember like, I think I was 16 when I had to start wearing glasses because I just couldn't see the whiteboard in the classroom. And I remember like squinting and I could see it like clearly. And then like when I relaxed, my eyes just couldn't really see it. And that's when I thought, oh, I probably need glasses. And then I've just been 
kind of in that cycle since then when actually maybe I didn't you know need to start at such a like kind of high prescription potentially or you know maybe I could have you know it wasn't like I was having headaches or anything like that maybe I could have started off differently but just the fact that I could you know we can do this at home and you can just kind of play with it a bit I think it that's what kind of sounds appealing yeah and at that point it was a muscle spasm it was because you were studying spending mm-hmm. a front bunch of time in front of books close up right close up that muscle is really tight and that muscle was spasmed it was stuck in close-up mode you actually your eyesight didn't actually get worse it was just a stuck muscle mm-hmm. and if somebody would have told you that and encourage you to take more breaks, spend more time with distance vision. Don't be sit too close to the book. Do it in, in clear daylight. Maybe use reading glasses to challenge your eyesight a little bit. You would have never needed glasses, but yeah. that story doesn't make any money, right? So yeah. how can you ask anybody to do that for you? There has to be money in it, right? For it to be a thing. And the thing that I'm promoting is not profitable to anybody because I'm basically saying you don't need these things. Mm-hmm. So just... In our economic reality, there's nobody to tell you this because, you know, who's going to do it? Mm-hmm. What are you going to pay them for? The absence of treatment. Mm-hmm. And also, I appreciate like your website and like your YouTube as well. It's just, it's full of advice and like resources and stuff. And like, I know you have like guides and stuff like that, but you're not, you're not saying like, you need to spend this money to like <laughs> completely. I totally like, would. I totally would. I totally would. The, the thing is, the thing is, I'm I made a bunch of money in the stock market and investing in various businesses, so I don't need it. Um, so I'm not that nice of a person. It's just this is my procrastination, fun, weird. What happened to this project? More so than uh, I need this to make money. It would have a different tone for sure. And I do sell courses. They're usually full. I don't do a lot of it to fund now and full-time developer is expensive and mm-hmm. people that contact you to do podcast stuff cost money so i i try to make it self-sustaining but beyond that I, if you want better eyesight i want you to have the tools available right because i don't relatively don't need anything in return for it. Mm-hmm. which is a very humble thing to say <laughs> you know mm-hmm. that actually you know you're not in it for the money and i think a lot of people would be but um you know, the fact that that's you, why we don't have a designer, for example. That's why everything looks like crap. <laughs> I don't think it looks like crap. <laughs> oh my God, it's terrible. <laughs> but I think like, I don't know, I, I appreciate things that are more kind of, you know, like your YouTube channel, it's just you speaking. Like there's no like faff or like fanfare, like crazy kind of, you know, motion graphics and stuff like that. You know, people are here to listen to you kind of thing. So I think sometimes I want- people appreciate that. <laughs> I want motion graphics. I want I want a beard, a giant beard superimposed on my face. I have nothing. You just you just can't get the stuff. No, I can't. We can't afford it. And do you do like daily like is it like beard talks on your like YouTube? I was gonna ask you that. Okay. One. So yeah, it's all just everything again, but just imagine I'm drinking coffee and I'm doing silly things. Mm-hmm. Um I was trying to do more video stuff because I noticed over the years, things went from people reading blogs and websites to people consuming media in video format. So I was like, we need to get in that direction. And I was trying to make myself do more of it. So I called it the daily beard, trying to be daily, but it's not really daily. It's more 
small bits more frequently because people ask for it. Mm-hmm. And I say you can watch it daily, but it doesn't happen every day. Almost daily. It's fine. <laughs> Almost eventually, yes. <laughs> I think that's good though, just just to kind of keep up the kind of stream of content. I know like that's something I struggle with as well, like just trying to keep people engaged and, you know, like keep people like part of the discussion and stuff like that. So I think it's good that you're, you know, still on it and you're you're doing your podcast, you've got a website, you've got like so many different like channels of content going on. It must be like a lot to juggle. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's a couple of hours in the morning and then just turn it off and it, it's always in a state of unfinishedness. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, exactly. You don't want to like stress yourself out with it. <laughs> no. Yeah. And the main thing is just that, like if I hear from you in six months going, Hey, guess what? I'm at minus 1.5. Mm. That'll make me happy. That'll work. Yeah. It must be great to get like that feedback and think, you know, it's not only yourself that you've, you know, managed to kind of change eyesight wise. You're like, there's other people who are really giving it a go. Yeah. And it's a sharing thing also, because lots of people have introduced me to other ideas that have helped me. And I think, I think this is a lot of the promise of the internet that any one of us can research enough stuff, figure something out and like a meritocracy, like if it's a good idea, it's going to spread. And then we're not so dependent on a big profit machine that needs to make money and therefore offers your course of action that makes money as opposed to necessarily being good for you. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. No, I agree. <laughs> Are there any other kind of like tips or anything else you want to say? Like, I know, like I've watched your first like YouTube video where it's like, start here. And you're like, people just want steps. <laughs> and I was like, I bet they do. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, it's like what, what we talked about, like the, the idea I gave you where to start is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. But I think look at this, like taking a university course, like a simple one. But still, it's a bit of an undertaking because you want to learn a little bit, a bit about the biology. You want to verify that I'm not just talking nonsense for one. And then you want to understand how your eyes work. You want to understand this diopter thing. You want to learn how to measure your eyesight. You're going to invest a little bit of time to become your own sort of expert in what's going on. And then, you know, a few weeks. I mean, I spent years and years and years putting all this stuff together. You spend a few weeks just reading and digesting some of it, set yourself a goal. Like what would you do if you didn't need those things, mm-hmm. right? Like you're much less likely to succeed if there's not a goal, a benefit, a thing that you want to do that glasses prevent you from doing or make it less fun. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, this is what I want to accomplish. Now you have a reason to read all this stuff. And I have a seven day email guide that kind of walks you through basic steps. And then there's a bunch of videos and obviously the Facebook group and you, you will spend a few weeks, but you will get the hang of it. It's not that complicated. And then from there, it's mostly just, you know, the autopilot. The mm-hmm. Eyes will do their thing slowly. I think that that's a good thing to like kind of end on. Like your your eyes are, you know, going to gonna try their best throughout this process. But having all these like tools and resources to kind of dip in and out of will just kind of keep you kind of motivated to do it as well and it's I think it's definitely I'm gonna try and report back maybe in like six months time like you said just to be like this is how I'm doing (laughs) and just like maybe I'll do like an updated podcast episode in a bit and be like since having a chat with Jake (laughs) just like you know so that I'm accountable (laughs) 
just set a goal to get to minus 1.75. That's the mm-hmm. only thing you need. Like if you get to minus 1.75 and you wear those things and they work just fine, it's like flipping a switch. Yeah. You know, you go from this whole, the words I will try to the definitiveness of you've seen it work. And most people who've made one reduction successfully continue, right? Like it's that it's getting to the first reduction. That's a challenge, but you make it successfully and you're like, huh, well, I can do this. And then you kind of have fun with it from there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, just the like concept of it. I look forward to because I'm someone who's had to invest in like prescription goggles, prescription sunglasses. And I've always <laughs> been jealous of people who could just wear normal sunglasses and like mm-hmm. just, just, Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, totally. Yeah. I think I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go. Go for it and let me know how it goes. I want to know. And if you have questions, just email me. I will do. And I'll pop all your like links in the like show notes as well. So do you want to just do like a quick plug of all your social media? I think we've kind of mentioned them all, I hope. Yeah. If you just go to endmyopia.org and on the top, there's a link for resources. There's just a giant pile of all the things that you can find community from. Okay. I'm good at marketing. Can you tell? No, no, no. It's all good. (laughs) That's great. Well, thank you so much for giving up like almost an hour of your time just to chat all things eyesight with me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) No, it was super cool. I, I really enjoyed our chat. Oh, thank you.